0: So, Trent, what have you been eating recently? Parth, this is the latest we have ever uh, chatted digitally. It's offici- this is true. Yeah, so a little, little late
1: night chit-chat with Trent and Parth. What a treat. For context uh, listeners, we're recording this at 12.35 in the a.m.
0: Yeah, so it's officially tomorrow now. It's true. Well... To answer your question, I was just feasting upon a a buffalo quesadilla from uh, Paradiddle Griddle, the uh, restaurant I work at. It's very good. You should go there. Give them your money. Support small business. Um, It's funny because they call it a dia on the menu, like D-I-L-L-A, which I always wonder, like, why not just call it a quesadilla? Like, it's not like that's a trademarked, like, coin term. Like, I I don't know why they're needlessly making up this abbreviation.
1: You know it's a quesadilla, right? Say that again? It's not quesadilla, it's quesadilla.
0: Oh, yes. I was doing my Caucasian pronunciation intentionally. Ah, I see. Well, what have you
1: eaten? I had some eggs for dinner.
0: It'll, the old-fashioned dinner eggs? Mm-hmm. Are you, like, a medieval king?
1: What <laughs> the... Why? Um, well, th- I had, Were like, they
0: scrambled? How were they served? They were
1: scrambled... Uh, they were pretty much scrambled. My mom made them for me, and I had them with, like... I guess Indian flatbread would be the... What I could uh, Parra, most aptly describe it as.
0: construct the majority of your meals?
1: Um, now that we're at home, yeah... Um, go you. Go her. Um, yeah. shout, shout out, out to, to all mom. the moms
0: there. Oh, Parth, I was a really, really cast a wide brush there. Including all the moms. I was just focusing on
1: Miss Mar- Mrs. Marate. I like to pander. Because uh, she's a keeper, Parth. We both know it. Um, I'm glad you're mentioning this right now. Moving on. Um, Was it good? Your meals? It was the most filling dinner I've had in a while, and I don't know. I'm, it's late now, so by the time we're over with this, I might be hungry again. But I
0: read an article today, and it said that like 100% of humans tested have microplastics in their internal organs. I saw that. Oh, you saw that? Isn't that wild? Yeah. yeah. Do you think um, we are included in that? I mean, mostly statistically, it seems like. If
1: it, it says 100%, probably, yeah.
0: We can't be discluded. I mean it's a pretty inclusive group. All in much like us. Uh, so part do you uh, drink from plastic water bottles?
1: Not really, no. I, I gen I, I drink like tap water basically. I mean I have like my fridge which has a filter in it, but like I don't I don't really drink from water bottles. I'm happy for you.
0: I feel like people who go out of their way to use excess plastic are... Like repubs, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, enough politics. Let's move on to uh, the meat and potatoes of the program.
1: Cue the intro. <laughs>
0: Welcome back to our podcast, Craft Services, where we talk about movie, m- the movies and films. Um, each week we discuss a different film. Last week we talked to Doug em- Emmett, the cinematographer of Sorry to Bother You. What a treat that was.
1: He was a lovely man.
0: We enjoyed him thoroughly. and uh, He was involved with the film we'll be discussing today. Uh, sorry to bother you, uh, directed by Booth Riley
1: and Parth, take it away. Well, uh, we talked about the synopsis of this movie and the production history in our last episode. So if you haven't listened to that, um, go I check have a it cor-
0: out. I have a correction to make from something I said incorrectly in the last episode. Oh, um, I said that Patton Oswald was the white voice actor. For Danny Glover's character, but that's wrong. He's the voice of the mustache, bowler hat, eye patch guy. You know him. Uh, yes. So I wanted to uh, correct my 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 vocal slander. You know, In disc- your your I wanted to clear my name. Mm. I didn't want angry fans to storm
1: the streets about my um, minor imperfections. Speaking of angry fans. We have accumulated some one-star reviews of this movie on IMDb, and I think Trent here wants to tell us about them. Thank you for that introduction. The
0: title is, to this review, A Terrible Movie. The content reads, Any reviewer saying it's thought-provoking, socially current, or relevant in any way is such an above-the-surface type of person, it scares me. This was not a funny or interesting movie in the least bit. The character dynamics are not at all new or compelling, but said cliche and predictable. I'm shocked to see such a poorly thought-out movie with current ratings higher than one star. The fact the audience enjoyed this is frightening, telling of how intellectually bankrupt society has become. Very profound stuff. Moving on. Part, do you want to take a celebrity shot
1: and read the review you found? Sure sucks hard how did this movie ever get made this movie was barely okay then took a serious plot plummet with the horse people i'm not kidding worse two hours i've spent in a long time maybe ever it's nice of you
0: to not uh correct the the reviewers spelling errors because it shows that they
1: are garbage I, i i we're we're a show of great integrity um. so we, we're going to relay exactly what he said or she, I don't remember
0: But yeah we're all about citing our sources here giving the credit where it's due the third review reads Ew. um, horse penis with the e subbed out for an asterisk so treating penis as a curse word that can't be written in text um, that's all for that what's next
1: well, um, I guess now would be our time to say what our initial feelings
0: were on this movie. Tell me, Parth. Give me your feelings.
1: Um, I love this movie. when did you lot. see it?
0: Did you see it in theaters?
1: No. Um Really? I, yeah, I bought this movie like on a blind buy at Best Buy because it was On Blu
0: ray? Like...
1: Yes, ma'am. It oh. was there for like ten bucks and Temphing. I was like I've heard this is really, really good. Was this, like, in 2018 or 2019? Um... I think 2018, but it could have been 2019. So don't quote me on any of this. But, um... But I saw it, I heard it... I heard it was really good, and... So I decided to just buy it. And... Bold. I watched it just really randomly one night, and... I was taken aback by it, but even really? then, I was like, not not in a bad way. I was just like surprised, like blown away by like what I would just seen. Because it's like it's a lot to process. It, it it throws everything at you in terms of like the, the first time I
0: saw it, I was very confused, and it was on the big screen, and I kind of just walked away feeling flustered. But watching it today on my laptop, knowing what was going to happen, felt so comfortable and nice. So I think this is a movie that
1: definitely deserves s- secondary and tertiary watches. It's yeah, I mean, I've seen this movie, I think, three or four times by this point. So... This is
0: only my f- first revisitation. Part of the one here, a fun fact uh, about my relationship with this movie? Please. When I saw it in theaters, I had my wallet stolen, so I'll never forget. <gasps> Oh, my gosh. Yes, I had my bad motherfucker Pulp Fiction wallet in the cup holder at the movie theater. And I get up having forgotten it there for but just a second. And then I'm like walking into the lobby. And then I remember that I left it there. And then I come back and it's gone. So some uh, somebody snatched it. But luckily I only had like $2 in cash. So I'm sure they just like- stole it for the wallet. And then you just like cancel your cards and then you go to the DMV and you get a new license and then go to the library and replace your library card and go to TD Bank and get a new TD Bank
1: card. But then you're back in action, baby. Very good. Very All right, good. so... Um, but what what were your uh, initial viewings now that you've revisited?
0: Um, I don't think I gave this movie enough credit. Bef- um, beforehand, I really uh enjoyed everything about it and you
1: um yeah i mean i my my opinions in the positive have only grown basically each time i've seen it
0: do you have any negatives worth uh worth noting
1: um well i guess we can just get straight into our um direction thoughts yeah, Which is,
0: what a directorial debut.
1: Yeah, and I mean... Aren't Boots you so Riley, curious to
0: see what comes next? Very. I mean, we, when we talked... Doug with, Emmett was
1: talking about the TV show that he's working on. Exactly. And I think it shows that this is done by a music video director, because he's done a bunch of those, and it's just... Mu- music videos are supposed to be really striking visually. Mm-hmm. Like, you've got, like, your David Finchers and your Michael Bay's and... Um, like uh, many directors come from music videos, and they generally tend to have a really striking visual language. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, had
0: Boots Riley only ever done music videos?
1: Uh to my like knowledge, I'm mm-hmm. sure, he might have done like short films and stuff like that, but um, he'd never done like like worked like second unit on a direct on another director's movie, I think, or something like that. Also,
0: the the budget being three point two million dollars, it's uh it's utilized so well. I I feel the 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 sets are so nice. They always have like a lot of extras, and the, the, I feel like the production value is very high.
1: Yeah, I mean, talking about the production design, it's I think something that gets overlooked a lot is production design, um, because I don't think people understand how important it is for like the look of a movie. Um, like when we talked with Wynn Thomas, he basically said. He and the cinematographer the production designer and the cinematographer are the two people most responsible for the visual look of the movie and this has such like vibrant colors and interesting designs and in pretty much everything yeah mean
0: I, I hate to say it but it's totally a love letter to Oakland which I think is um, it, it's presented so well yeah and the the city has so much personality
1: for sure. I think if there's one negative to have with the movie, it's it is the direction. Um, really, only on, only because I think I don't have a problem with it. But if I had to have an issue with it, it's that it is a lot the whole time. There's not yeah, really. Yeah, but a... I,
0: I like high energy movies like that. Like, no, I agree. I, it's I not loved... a
1: problem with me. It's not a problem for me. It's just I can see somebody watching this being like, there was absolutely like. No time that I could cal- cool down a bit. This is something of a
0: cultural divide in, like, p- people who feel really strongly one way or another about Uncut Gems. Because some people just can't handle, like, two hours straight of, like, like blood-pumping pressure, and so they dislike the movie. But other people can take the heat, and it's really, really great. So I feel like that might be the
1: same thing here, where it's just like, can you hang? Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with, like, intention, like if a movie doesn't have any time to cool down, but it requires it, then like yeah, that's a problem. But in a movie like this, or Uncut Gems or something, where the like propulsivity of the like pace and and it just continuous movement of it is the point, like then it's doing it successfully. You know, it's 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 meant to be that way. So it's it's all about intentionality, I think. I feel um,
0: like the only major uh del- uh the only major thing critics might not like about this movie is its political message. If for some reason you're anti-union or um anti like capital exploitation, then I guess you wouldn't like the message of this movie.
1: If you are pro capitalistic exploitation. Oh, yeah, correct.
0: But uh, uh, other than that, I see uh it's so, like, uh, I I love Army Hammer in this movie, don't you? And Lakeith Stanfield is so
1: good. I think everybody in this movie is really good and perfectly cast, right? Yeah, and it's it's I can't I can imagine it being a hard movie to like perform because it's so zany and out out there mm-hmm. that it's like you don't really know where you're supposed to stand. Like, you don't know how how big you're supposed to portray it. Yeah, and it's an interesting it, suspension of disbelief because you're kind of going
0: back and forth of, like, what is believable. Exactly. And it's like... And the, it, I, it takes place in a realistic diegesis. But, uh... Ooh, obviously intro some, to film two words. Also, some supernatural events take place where you have to wonder... Part don't you love the advertisements, like the commercials throughout the, the this movie? Like, oh yeah, uh, I get the shit kicked out of me. Is that correct? Yes. And um, also the stop motion like instructional video that um, Army Hammers company shows to Lakeith after he snorts the like the horse uh, powder. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what I'm talking about. I sure do. Yeah. That's really awesome. I feel like it's like uh, the um the commercials role in Robocop, if you know what I'm talking about.
1: I've never seen Robocop. Ugh.
0: Well I, I still think it has uh, it really like diversifies the I, I don't know, just it, it's such a nice like in between piece, you know? It, it it's really good transition. And I love how much they they broaden the world through it, and it it just like to see their advertising. I guess it's widening the s- scope and understanding of the characters.
1: Yeah, and I think it's completely like within the film's like tone, and they help. I think there's, it, ba- because it was done on a three point two million dollar budget. I think things like that really help make the world feel more expansive, like because it has like its own television programming and like you can see through the like ridiculousness of the ads what kind of world they're living in and it helps you it helps bring you into the like reality of the situation which is like I guess if to to go back to like the direction it's I'm so surprised that this is a directorial debut even if you were like an incredibly experienced music director because it's 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 very very different I feel like it just has so much spunk. It's so one of a kind. Yeah, like I, there is not a single movie you could use to explain what this movie is like. Like the the, I love the color scheme, and
0: uh, sh- sh- shout out to Doug Emmett for the cinematography because it's really beautiful, and um, I I don't know. It just has such a a unique feel. Uh, one or another aspect I love. Yes please. Uh, when Cassius is doing the calls with you know, the people at the telemarketer place and he like drops into their homes and
1: they have a face to face conversation. I think that's such a nice touch. It's little things like that. And it's like it's so meticulously crafted in that way. You know, like visually and and now that we're both in film school and have had to make our own like short films and things like that it's really hard to plan that well for a short film, let alone like a $3 million um, feature film. So I, I think a lot of credit has to be given to him. And it's, it, there's, there's very few movies where you can see that it is so singularly the creative vision of one person.
0: Well, as we talked about in the production history, its creation is such an interesting story in that he had the idea, and then he couldn't afford to make it into a movie, so he made it into an album, and then uh, he published the script, and then it like gained traction, and then like it got made. I really wonder how they secured funding for it. Yeah, me too. Um, but the fact that he wanted to tell the story so bad that he put it into music first—that probably influenced the uh, the musical design for the movie. I can only imagine. For sure. I think they'd be
1: remiss if they didn't include a song from the album in the movie. Oh, I'm sure they have. I think one of the cool things, one of the things that I think could maybe um, take somebody out of the movie is the design of the horses.
0: Yeah, I feel like a lot of people are, are lost at the horses. Pe- yes. People who are on the edge, Who I feel like people who watch the trailer aren't prepared for what, they are about to get uh, handed, and w- you lose them at the horses. They they thought they signed up for something predictable.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it's something that would improve upon a second viewing because it's it is so out of left field. Kind yeah, like of, I like... said,
0: knowing what to expect is nice, and then being able to appreciate all like the Easter eggs and like the uh, like the-, the breadcrumbs laid like along the way and to
1: see all the horse details it's not like it's something that comes completely out of left field really when you look at the movie it's a it's a like it's not so much a twist as it is a revelation and it's it's something that is completely in keeping with the tone of the movie at that as it was at that point and it's something that like furthers the the message and theme of the movie. I feel like by
0: definition, introducing the horse stuff changes the genre. It, like, makes it a sci-fi movie rather than, like, I don't know, a drama or comedy. I mean, I don't know. I don't think it's a sci-fi movie. I mean, what would you consider? I know, as we discussed, it's famously uh, genre-bending.
1: But if you had to put it into a box has sci-fi elements but i would say that it is a black comedy yeah i think that's fair because it has sci-fi elements but i think sci-fi in its like purest form is very this movie is about like humanity i guess but it it's about how technology um affects humanity and things like that whereas this isn't really about that this is about how humanity affects humanity and you think sci-fi is uh, focused on extraterrestrials? Not not necessarily extraterrestrials, but I mean, like like a movie like Ex Machina that has not that there's no aliens in that, but that uses um, technology. Well, uh,
0: sci-fi sci-fi is really an umbrella term. It's really quite a wide net to cast.
1: Yes. I mean there are people that consider Star Wars sci-fi, which I don't. What, You think it's a space opera? No, yeah, it's space fantasy. Wow,
0: that's really some, uh, quite a narrow uh um distinction.
1: Well, I mean, I I I mean, not to get so off topic, but Star Wars is, has more akin with Lord of the Rings than it does Star Trek. You know.
0: Ooh, that's an uh, that's an interesting sentence you just said. Because um, you I, think like thematically, besides the fact that they both take place in space, the the th- the fact that they take place in space is the only thing that is similar about them. Um, I know nothing about Star Trek or Lord of the Rings, so you take you. Take you've never seen Lord of the Rings. I've never seen Trent. Lord of the Rings, and I've only seen um, the one J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie, which oh, I enjoyed.
1: God. Uh, yeah. Well, here's the thing. I've never seen the the,
0: the TV show or
1: any of the extended lore. The J.J. Abrams movies kind of make. Are there several of them? There's two. There's two J.J. Abrams movies, and then the third movie was directed by Justin Lin, who did um, many of the Fast and Furious movies, and it's actually really good. How many movies uh, are there total? Are they still making them? There's only three right now. Um, there was going to be a fourth one, but then there was like contract disputes and the third one didn't make a lot of money. But to get mm-hmm. back to point, um, I think that if, if you look at, I mean, if we're going to get on the topic of genre, mm-hmm. um, it, 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 it's got more to do with, I don't know if tropes is the right word, but sort of like conventions of a certain type of story. Um, and S- Star Wars and Lord of the Rings are very uh, similar in their journeys. They're very um, action oriented. They're very um. It-, it isn't super cerebral. It's it's more visceral. Mm. Whereas Star Trek, um, when it was made, the the sixties show and the Next Generation was supposed to be an optimistic view of the future in which humanity has surpassed like all problems within humanity there's no like wars between nations and things like that and that what what they do is they basically uh the federation is a peacekeeping organization that goes around the the universe to try and find more planets and species and things like that and how to maintain peace throughout the universe um but basically it's 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 more of a each episode is like oh we land on this planet and these people do this and they have this dilemma and how do we solve this so all the disagreements come from how to solve a problem not interpersonal relationships um which then gets changed a key distinction which then gets changed later down the road when Star Trek becomes only about personal relationships and the science is sort of not really important. But my point is, um, genre is a weird thing, and to bring it back to Sorry to Bother You, it's, it's interesting because it has elements of um, comedy, it has elements of kind of tragedy, it has elements of sci-fi absurdism um i don't know if i'd classify this as an art house movie but it's got some shit in it that's like what's the it's, it's not mainstream of
0: an art house movie i have no fucking clue i'm glad you used that term without knowing the definition
1: i feel like it's the type of word where it's the type of thing where it's like i feel like people understand you know what the they vocab think
0: word that you don't really know and you hope for the best Then no one questions your motive yes
1: no i mean it's the type of thing where it's like you know how there are words where it's like we all kind of know what this word means but if you asked me to define it i wouldn't really know what to define it as yeah sorry to put you on the spot no no it's okay so sorry are are you sorry to have bothered me
0: okay calm down there's some other cast members i wanted to uh to shout out um Tessa Thompson the the female lead is clearly really great. I'm I hope to see her in other stuff. I I never seen her in anything before. The, Terry Crews Thor. Or...
1: she's in Thor 3. Thor Ragnarok?
0: In... Yeah. Wasn't that uh director
1: Taika Waititi?
0: Yeah, everyone loves that movie, but I know that they say it's the best of the Thors. I don't Really, Parth? That's a bold claim. That's
1: I like me. the first Thor a lot. I like Thor 3 a lot, but I think Thor 1 is the best of the three. So, and,
0: and then there's Terry Crews, who reminded me of Everyone Hates Chris. Did you watch that show?
1: Everybody Hates Chris, and yes, I did. I like it a lot.
0: And Stephen Yoon reminded me of my Walking Dead days.
1: <sighs> We've all been there.
0: What's Danny Glover in? Isn't he like one of the cops in Lethal Weapon? Is that a thing? He's
1: he he is the cop starring ac- alongside um is that anti- Mel- se- an- anti-semite a- Mel Gibson. Mel
0: Gibson. <laughs> I really can't enjoy Hacksaw Ridge anymore when I after I found out it was directed by Mel Gibson. Also that movie is so religious
1: and uh, mm. he and is very Christian. It all makes sense now. I think everybody is perfectly cast. There's nobody out to really change. I think everybody plays it the way they should. Um, and I don't know, Trent. Do you have any more like story thoughts, or should we? Do you think in the third
0: act, you uh, upon initial viewing, you're expected to think that he's going to turn into a horse? Because I, I, I totally suspected that. But they leave it open to chance as if he won't. Like, they intentionally state in the uh, educational video that it only works with 70% of people. So it's basically saying he, he could get through this. Trent,
1: he turns into a horse at the end.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. But I'm saying, when you're watching it, are you led to believe that that's going to happen to him?
1: No, I didn't. Because I thought that they would have just done it when the whole... When he gets rescued.
0: It's weird how how there's that much of a gestation period. Yeah. But uh, it's a gradual process, but it seems to have a really delayed response.
1: Hey, man, these drugs ain't perfect. All right, let's assign ratings. You go first, Trent. The time has come.
0: Um, I'm going to give this movie the highest rating that I've handed out thus far.
1: Nine out of ten. I'd give it a nine out of ten, too.
0: Well, it's it's nice to be on the same page. What once what in a stops while. it from
1: a ten out of ten? Um,
0: I think I would know if it was a ten out of ten. Yeah. But um, I like this movie enough to have nothing to complain about. So, I think that's a a good sign on all accounts.
1: So, what's going to be our next episode? Tell the people. Our next episode is going to be on Gone Girl. And we brought along an editorial consultant on it, Vashi Nidomansky. What a treat. He was a great guy. We loved his company. So make sure to stick around for our next episode, and we'll see you next week. Tune in.